In the words of boxing legend Sugar Ray Leonard, success is attaining a dream while helping others to benefit from that dream materializing. And in the words of public enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. From the Fifth End Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, this is going to be one of those episodes where, like, you know, uh, there's a thing, a topic that needs to be, you know, that just needs more room to breathe. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know how how long I'm going to go for that particular topic you probably already know by the title by the descriptions and the full show notes is the first thing i'm going to talk about but i think you guys can understand why i've only got three topics for this episode is a uh is a uh, a purposeful decision by me and uh hopefully you guys feel is worthy of that time or that potential time because I just know I'm just, I know I'm gonna go more longer than 15 20 minutes but maybe I won't go longer than half an hour but we'll see we'll see how that goes but yeah apart from that uh yeah it's been a it's been a weird it's been a weird week for me um like I was um I was looking up um my 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 mother got some uh, frames like picture frames and she wanted to you know go through the Go for the photo albums. I mean, look up some stuff, and um, I did that last night with her, and she left um, halfway through to go to bed. But I continued looking for like another hour uh, through the night, and um, it was just—I don't know—it's just something about like having those photos just just there. Like you don't look at them. Every week, you know what I mean? Like, I, I maybe in the past like three, in the past like five years, maybe maybe it's like gone through, you know, in a, a moderate, uh, mo- uh, most of it, um, you know, twice, maybe three times. And it, it, it really hit me. It really hit me looking at those photos. A lot of them are, um, as I call BC before Charlie. Um, you know, it's this my it's my mother's, my sisters, my pops. Like you know, they 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 went they went to several places before I was even born, and uh, there was pictures of like my mother like younger than what I am now. <laughs> like my mum in the nineteen twenties, my pops in his twenties, uh, and it's it, it, it's weird. It's weird, and it's very surreal. And the thing I've like. And it kind of makes me sad in a way because, you know, the Instagram life is, you know, compared to that, extremely soulless. You know what I mean? Like I can, I look through, I've, I've, I've gone through my IG a few times, right? You know, for cleaning, cleaning up purposes. Like I see some photos, and I'm like, bro, that's cringe, or bro, that's just a whack photo to even look at, just quality-wise, there's just no point in that photo even existing, you know what I mean, um, so, yeah, the, I've, I've done that a few times, 
But there's something about just like having glossy photo printed photos um, just in an album and you're flicking through them. There's something about that that, you know, modern day photography cannot do. You know what I mean? Like it, you can, you, you can get, a, you can. Yeah, we all have cameras on our phones now, right? And we can take a picture of anything. You know what I mean, I take a picture of um, uh, just uh, whenever I walk the dog and the sun's out. You know, I just take a nice little, little landscape nature nature pic. You know what I mean? Just, 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 just for the vibes. You know, <laughs> maybe post it now and again. Um, sorry, my hay fever is kicking in today. Um, and yeah. You know, I just, uh, I just, I just, it's cool, it's calm, it's right, but it's just something about, it's just something about seeing, uh, me, uh, like a year old, and, like, I saw one photo that really hit me, it was like, uh, my sister, <coughs> it was my sister, my cousin, uh, Elliot, and, uh, my late auntie, and they were on the sofa, this is uh, back at my nan's place in London, and you know, they, 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 my sister and my cousin were about, I, I guess, like ten around that time, or just uh, maybe a little bit older, and they were playing Game Boys. <laughs> like, that was it. They were playing Game Boys. That's that's the nineties for you. Like, they were playing Game Boys, and my late auntie was just eating yummy some food uh, sitting in between them. Like I, this, that's just a moment that I've never, and maybe this is just me, right? Of the fact, and and maybe. Most people in life. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but if like it's hard to it's hard to like purposefully take your phone and take pictures. You know what I mean? Them impromptu pictures of just like life in the day kind of thing. Um I don't know, it just feels weird to me. Just like get my phone out, get up and just take a photo like of the of the room right now. It's really I don't know. I don't know. Is that is that a thing people do? Is that are people that live with their uh their record keeping? I'm not sure. But man, I just really in and just just in the past, you know, as I've been sleeping and I woke up today and yesterday last night, I really really want just like a just a solid camera and just and you know just uh, just just take some fucking photos, man. I I've, I've just had that sudden urge. Um, I know exactly what camera I want as well. Like I've really put some, <laughs> I've really put some research into it in the past night, past twelve hours. But um, yeah, man, that's that's been me for the past couple of day, uh, for the past day especially. But uh, yeah, man, this uh, it's been it's been a it's been a bit of a wacky week. Um, like I st- I started I started off like once box good drop last week. I I was really uh, I was feeling a bit whack, and I have been feeling whack. Uh, in a lot of days over the past month or so, but yesterday was just really surreal and really, I don't know, put me in a different space, and it was kind of fascinating to think about. But anyway, enough of that. Let's get into some show. Three topics, two life, one music. Four matters before we begin. Email to the IG, Discord link as well in the full show notes. Also, the articles I shall read throughout this ep- uh, throughout this episode can also be found in the full show notes. Please give those a read. Read for yourself. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let the beat drop. Let's get into the show.
week where China lands a rover on Mars. So, interesting news right there. I don't know what's uh, the, the, the Mars thing. The Mars stuff is very fascinating, but also just like, why? But obviously, you know, science has to progress in some way. Uh, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kev Garnett, Tamika Catchings, and others are inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Andy Joshua and Tyson Fury lock in their £200 million fight in Saudi Arabia. Because why not? Why Why would? Why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you? You know, host a sport event, host a boxing event in, um, in, in Saudi Arabia. Why not? Twitter are considering a $3 monthly subscription package. <laughs> um, don't know. I'm not not sure about that, Chief. Um, especially with the things they offer, like uh, you can edit tweets with that with that three dollars. Are you gonna pay? Because a lot of people won't really wanted that, so they're they're kind of putting your they're kind of asking you literally to put your money where your mouth is. Like you've been asking for un for undo tweets or um, well not undo tweets, but uh, uh, edit tweets. There you go. Hey, there it is, right there. Just just gotta do that three dollars a month. I don't know, but. You know, might not might not happen, may not happen. Who knows? And lastly, Ti is officially being investigated for sexual assault on several women, and also uh, wifey as well, um, Tiny Harris. Um, and yeah, that's um, I think that was something that was that came up uh, obviously last year. I think it was last year, something like last year. Um, like people, uh, a lot of women came forward uh, accusing both of them. And, uh, yeah, now the LAPD and, uh, I guess other departments as well are officially investigating them. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. But anyway, we hop in to, uh, first life topic and, um, yeah, we're talking about it. We're talking about Israel-Palestine. We're going to get it in. We're going to get this in. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to take, but we're going to get this in because, uh, I mean... (sighs) I I I like I'd like to say I have a lot of thoughts on it, but to be honest, I feel like in the past few years, like the past four-ish years, I've kind of already made my mind up of a, of like what you know that situation is and how I see it, how I like to see it, um, because let's be real, there are a lot of ways to see it, um, but the the word the word complicated comes up a lot. When it, uh, in the part in the past week or so, uh, nearly two weeks now, and you know for the past hundred years technically, um, uh, hundred plus years whatever it is, uh, you know, it's complicated. But eh, mm, it, it can be boiled down. I think I, I I think it could easily be boiled down. But people just you know for some reason or another don't want to and uh, want to get lost in the weeds of uh, of of everything that's going on. So um, you know. This 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 particular segment, and um, you know, the way I'm going to talk about it is um, with the trusting that you guys are fully aware of what the situation is. So, if you guys are not fully aware of the Israel-Palestine, um, so you have to be most carefully because I don't consider it a conflict. Um, so, uh, how would you want to word it? <laughs> um, pick a word for yourself, but. Um, yeah, if you, if you are not aware of Israel and Palestine and what pertains uh, to it, if you don't know any of the, you know, just the history on the subject, there's a great um, there's a great video by Vox that was done about five years ago, and it still, you know, holds up. Um, that's about ten minutes. It's a very, obviously, you know, uh, quick history, like really crash course kind of vibe. Uh, but, you know, that's a good place to start. 
and uh, you know, there's plenty of reading you can do on that front. So I'm gonna, you know, move ahead on this situation. In you know, sometimes I like to do that just to, just just so I don't, you know, not waste time, you know, uh, uh, talking about the, you know, what's going on kind of thing. Because like I said, this has been going on for you know decades upon decades. So you know, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of catch up there, and uh, I don't really want to give time to all of it, you know what I mean, so, but I just want to talk about, obviously, what's been going on the past couple of weeks, nearly, um, and just, uh, looking, zooming out, I'm, I'm zooming out again, basically, um, I'm doing that, I'm doing that thing again, where I zoom out, and, uh, I look at it, I want to look at it in the way, uh, in a very simple way, um, and obviously you can get in the weeds of it, you can, you're, you're most likely, you know, nitpick some things I might say, or some, or nitpick some of the things, that the article I've picked for this topic, uh, for this segment, um, uh, might say on, uh, as pertains to the words, um, but I, I, I just, I, I just can't really, I can't really be bothered to nitpick, I can't really bother to be in the weeds anymore with this. Um, at the end of the day, um, this is to me ethnic cleansing. This is to me uh, oppression. Uh, this is to me state-sanctioned uh, violence uh, with uh, many um, with many tentacles of uh, of uh, propaganda and uh, a, a situation that, for some reason, warrants uh, a lot of fence sitting. Uh, which just jars the fuck out of me. Like I don't, re- I don't get it. I don't get how people can fence it on this shit. Like it really that that jars me the fucking most. Like there's a there was a there was a woman I followed on IG right, and um, I've since unfollowed her because I just know. Um, and you know it was it was on that route of um, you know planting both of the. You know, either the I stand with Israel or free Palestine hashtags, right? And, uh, you know, the basically the messaging was like, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, pre- I preach love for everybody. And I'm just like, <sighs> rubs eyes, you know what I mean? Just, just, yes, we, we, we all preach for love, right? We, we all want peace everywhere, okay? Like, that's not, that's not a... That's not radical, right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I want peace. I want, I want everybody. I want love to prevail. Like, right? And <laughs> I want oxygen. What's the? You know what I mean? It's just, it's mute. It's such a moot point to me. Um. So anyway, we'll get past that because that's one thing that just annoys me. But um, I want to get with to this, and uh, I feel like this is a great way to frame all this, and it's um a great for especially people in the UK, um, and another thing I shall note is that uh, the response to this has been absolutely um, outstanding in many uh, ways, um, and the main way I want, and the positive way I like to see, I like to, um, the the one method, uh, method? The one way I want to see that, uh, I want to explain that, uh, in a positive light, is the fact that there have been so many protests around the world, um, in the UK, US, even, even Yemen, guys, you don't, I don't think you guys understand how silent, uh, 
journalism world journalism and just like the world news and how you know that that cycle works of how silent people have been about Yemen and they they were the they they did protests for Palestine like that is absolutely brave and outstanding uh just to think about um go look up Yemen please just uh, I've, I've I've talked about it before but um, yeah that that's just that's just amazing to think about once I saw that photo um, of just Yemeni people uh, protesting for Palestine when they themselves have been silenced um, in a lot of ways is just wow it, it really it, it really is just um, amazing um, but anyway let's get into this article um, this is by Barnaby Rain uh, via Novara Media uh, Barnaby Rain is a doctoral student at Columbia University and a faculty member of the Brooklyn Institute for Social Research uh, the article is called Total Solidarity with Palestine is the only anti-racist position. So let's just jump in. Enough of the equivocations and the confusions around Palestine. It is well past time to return to some basic principles, to state them unapologetically and to explain them to others. A story. Is the following story believable? If racism is not at work in the Hundred Years' War on Palestine, then surely it could just as easily happen anywhere else. A small western country, say Britain, is invaded by a stateless people indigenous to North America. After a long genocide and its brutal aftermath, their leaders claim rights, claim a right to this new home, prophesied in their sacred text millennia ago. The United Nations agrees and hands them half the country to rule. London is to be divided. When you and your family are horrified and scared, world leaders sigh at your in, uh, intransigence. Love that word. I looked up. I looked up uh, beforehand. It's an amazing word. Um, intransigence and uh, inability to show proper hospitality to the new arrivals who place us all under martial law. Half of England's population three t- flee their homes uh, and as towns and cities are destroyed, setting up in refugee camps in France, prizing their old keys and the dream of returning home. The new occupier shrug that the British have no real complaint. France is a European country after all, and since all Europeans are the same, and since Britons are now num- so numerous in France, they should just accept life as their fate. Uh, accept life there as their fate. A law is passed announcing that all property left behind by British refugees as they fled now belongs to the arriving families from afar, who move into empty and abandoned homes. The nation is renamed. And soon, its new leader denies that there was there were e- there ever were British people at all. France and Finland, and a few other nearby countries declare war on the colo- on the colonists, but eventually most make their peace with the new arrangements. The British find themselves without much in the way of weapons or support, while much of the world, from Russia to the U.S., pours money and guns towards their invaders. Over the ensuing decades. The invaders conquer more of Britain and suffocate its previous inhabitants under a web of walls and checkpoints. Wales is cut off from England with a huge concrete barrier. The people of Wales, not chased from their homes as the English had been, watch as military courts are established to police them and their movements are blocked. A wave of arriving settlers redirects their water supply to build swimming pools where soldiers prevent Welsh people from swimming and roads where Welsh people are banned from driving. The, then, in the indigenous Americans place a corner of Scotland's coast under a tight blockade. They even ban its fishermen from working. If the saga already seems implausible enough, 
enough, consider a Western media reaction as follows. Some Brits riot or attack the colonisers when our places of worship are invaded by colonising troops who demand we pay rent to families arriving from Connecticut claiming to own our homes. Journalists talk only of quote-unquote clashes. Both sides are responsible. British stubbornness has been a very regrettable force, preventing the old population from making its peace with changed conditions. When the invaders bomb schools and homes in the besieged coastal enclave and Scottish mothers hold their dead children on camera, the press reports their murder in the passive passive voice. They were killed. A building exploded. The killers are scarcely even named. The killers are the victims. They face so much irrational British rage. British terrorism is a major obstacle to peace. Worse still, British Britain's international supporters are just a new chapter in the genocidal history targeting indigenous Americans. Families in Liverpool and Birmingham are so racist that they cannot even allow these people their right to a state. Do those families wish to evaporate any other state? Skeptical journalists ask questions like uh, that as universities are bombed and then accuse the bombed and their sympathisers everywhere of singling out these colonisers for opprobrium, for malicious reasons. I'm just going to look up opprobrium just for kicks, because that's an amazing sounding word. Opprobrium is harsh criticism or censure. Great word. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., the nation that prospered by massacring its indigenous now lends its enthusiastic support to its new ally and outpost in Britain. If this invasion had not happened, Joe Biden opines in the Senate. The US government would have had to launch it themselves, quote, to protect our interests in the region, unquote. Washington, which yesterday crammed the indigenous into reservations, now conveniently champions the settlers' rights to defend themselves with vast military might against British resistance. It is an argument that feels quite comfortable, quite familiar to Washington. Nobody says anything about what rights to self-defence the occupied might have. Clearly the British don't like the, their occupiers, and liberal nuance quickly acknowledges that the occupiers are not blameless. The whole conflict is so complicated. Most commentators shake their heads and say, quote-unquote, I shouldn't choose a side. Some truths. That this is inconceivable in Britain, but happens in Palestine, speaks volumes about the racism that structures life on this planet that it is even helpful to resort to analogy in order to recover the power to shock is evidence enough of the racism. Racism is not a fringe problem of a few extremists, easily identified and excluded from the public sphere. Racism is the global condition by which some are marked for rights and safety, and others for unending degradation. It couldn't really happen to us. We know that in London, this, is, this thought experiment is an absurdity, because Israel did not simply come into being one day, uh, like the imagined invaders setting up their new state in Britain. Centuries of colonial machinations, turning Palestinians into objects to be managed for the benefit of others, made it thinkable that a solution to European anti-Semitism could be found, not in the murderous wealth of Bavaria, but by ethnically cleansing these worthless people and building a new society in this barren desert. The Palestinians had a life before this erasure becomes their narrative, quote-unquote, a story as the natives like to tell. And if Britain as a victim of colonialism is is a laughable thought, 
The truth is that Britain was the author of many of these colonial, colonial miseries in Palestine. There really is such a thing as British terrorism, just not the kind that ever merits that label on nightly news reports. Against that backdrop, we ought to change how we talk about racism. The British government recently sponsored a report denying that institutional racism exists in Britain. We obviously covered that extensively here. Though it was... That was me saying, by the way. Though it was read as part of a culture war against the woke left. In fact, the Sewell's reports... The Sewell reports insistence that racism exists but, institution, but institutions are irrelevant to it is not so alien from the contemporary anti-racist focus on policing personal interactions. These microaggressions matter to the reproduction of racism but what of macroaggressions what a Sivan, Sivanadan called uh, quote unquote the racism that kills what better label than racism for the practice by which Israel wipes Palestine from the map and what and one of the first concerns of most commentators is whether people horrified by this fact might use language offensive to the supporters of that racist state how is that move made possible except by racism Racism endures that, though sensible moderates never ask me to share the dinner table with Holocaust deniers and display polite restraint, Palestinians are expected to coexist constantly with people who lecture them about the quote-unquote right to exist of the state built atop their burned homes, and Palestinians are usually expected to shut up about it, to show endless patience for the traumas of of the people who murdered them. Left-wing commentators explain to Palestinians that theirs is not really a colonial experience at all. They shouldn't say that, since it might offend the coloniser. I have spent several years writing about rising anti-Semitism, thinking about its causes and the range of its deadly and destructive consequences. To think that opposing anti-Semitism demands even the slightest equivocation about settler colonialism in Palestine is like arguing that feminism in the Jim Crow American South should have entailed support for moral panics about black men raping white women. Both views, no matter how often they are endorsed by the quote-unquote lived experience of Jews after centuries of slaughter or white women in a violent patriarchy, trauma is not a university. Seek shortcuts to safety whose essential racism lies in making exiled and colonised Palestinians or lynched black men into collateral damage. In Palestine, settler colonists armed to the teeth understand themselves as victims as they pulverise others. The others, whether they march peacefully towards their old homes or fire rockets in an enormous iron dome or just mourn for their lost loved ones, are always always the lurking violent dangerous threat. The dispossessed are, if they fight back, blamed for their own dispossession. They are shithed, like children, for losing their temper with an abusive parent who should be allowed to beat up the child in peace. Palestinians are not unique in this condition. It is the crudest logic of racial violence everywhere. When slaves rebelled on plantations, they were too, they too were terrorists, disrupting the serenity of the world. What gave them such a violent temperament, their masters asked, and made them so hostile to the peace that reigned while they were in chains? All that is safely in the past now, and academics celebrate the long-forgotten agency of the oppressed, seeking to be free. But in Palestine, it is not past. As indeed, on American streets, police lynchings are not really past either. The homes and health that Euro- uh, Europeans have uh, are like jewels, and if others want them, migrants from, uh, from elsewhere 
Those people are threats to be drowned at sea in their thousands. The whole world remains saturated by a colonial set of colour lines dividing properly human lives from expendable ones. In this bind, the most sympathetic thing Western journalists do is to focus on dead Palestinian children. They are hopeless, blameless, pure victims against Israel's grotesque claim to be the victim. This is how humanitarianism strips its objects of humanity. Palestinians deserve our support because in their abject weakness, they do not, contrary to Israel's charge, really threaten anything. Outsiders wince at resistance and stress the enormous inequality of arms. Palestinian weapons are barely weapons at all. To these supporters, Palestinians cannot be political subjects. People who fight for their freedom from domination as their allies from Algeria to Vietnam once did too. Given that the Israeli state and populace has little interest, as every other colonial society, in surrendering their supremacy, the expectation that Palestinians should quietly go on dying in order to merit international support constitutes an insidious form of their dehumanisation. If bullish Western right-wingers see them as savages to be managed, generous Western liberals see them as dying exotic flowers to be treasured on windowsills. After the co-optation, uh, co- didn't realise how you work, how you can word that. After the co-optation, fragmentation, and ossification of their liberation movement as and its allies abroad, this particular Orientalism gained uh, gained ground. A lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of new words were thrown at me in that paragraph. I, <laughs> you could tell I was tripping up on that. Faced by the awesome, apparently intractable power of those divisions. It is utterly understandable that today's Western radicals seek often to carve out safe spaces in an unsafe world. This is politics that rises out of tragedy after the defeats of 20th century anti-colonial projects that thought they could turn the world upside down. But there was a different question asked by the revolutionary politics of that age, from Ho Chi Minh to Huey Newton and beyond, which we would not lose. Why, they asked, are we racialized? We all are. After all... And so, dis- and so, despite enormous differences, we come under some common nets. How did that violent pro? How did that violent protest come to pass? Coding people for extra exploitation and oppression. Who or what authored it? Treating race as a process rather than taking it for granted, as a fact, holds out the possibility of a world without it. How it might it be undone? so that we all liberated from the humiliations of dispossession and the paranoias of mastery. Such is the global hope enmeshed, 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 enmeshed in these unlikely final words, which mourn so bitterly for the living and the dead by insisting that everything could be different. These words terrify those who only know how to be terrified, who, pe- who believe deeply that dignity can only be worn, won for some by stealing it from others. These are the words of people everywhere who refuse to disappear. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And that is the entirety of that piece. Um, there is obviously a lot to um, take from that. And I hope you guys take from that. Um, I want to leave this in uh, with, you know being comfortable with the fact that I don't have answers towards this, uh, towards all of this, um, I, I, I don't know 
exactly what the I don't even know what the best case scenario is for Palestine on this front because with the fact that Israel have the US and the UK and a minor note on the UK by the way something I actually learned last week uh, this past week did you know that um the UK are still um uh, uh performing uh, colonialist act in the country of Oman and actually uh you know uh, quote unquote advise um, the Sultan of uh, whoever's uh, reigning in Oman and is completely uh, uh, controlled by the Sultan of Oman and they actually have a British council behind the Sultan of Oman which just is just outstanding to me um, something I learned in the past week just a note but back to this um, the fact that Israel have are basically doing all this and you know you guys have seen the pictures I'm sure you've seen the videos you've seen some sort of uh, material towards all this um, I don't even want I don't, I don't think I have the time to even chastise how the media cover this because clearly it is in a, 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 fr- a frankly um, uh, disappointing uh, light in uh, but what what's how's that different from you know the past decades you know what I mean it's, it's not it's not any different and uh, I don't think that will change uh, because why would it um, but the fact that um, the UK and US and other countries just literally sit by and allow Israel to do all this um, is reprehensible. And uh, every time I see any politician in the UK or the US talk about oppression, talk about racism, uh, talk about any form of uh, 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 what's the, what's the word um, discrimination, right? Any 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 time. I hear them talk about this, I will immediately just think about the the absolute silence they have had over this past, or not even silence, but obviously for people like Joe Biden saying that, you know, Israel have the right to defend itself, which is just absolutely <laughs> fucking laughable um, as, a, as a quote, and kind of says it all um, as it pertains to US politics and how, you know, the, the presidents might change, but the ideals really really don't and uh, I don't think there's a truly left um, leader uh, in the US um, but that's on a, that's on another note whenever they talk about oppression in any way um, because I don't care what you guys think this is the same as uh, this is the same as Northern Ireland and Ireland this is the same as Jim Crow America uh, this is the same as uh, anything any type of ethnic cleansing that happens in Africa or South or Southeast Asia, uh, Myanmar, Burma, um, any any of those places, this is exactly the same. And the re- only reason why this gets so much uh, uh, this gets so much press, I mean, partly because well, the main reason is because one of the uh, people, one of the uh, actors in this quote unquote conflict. Um, has literally one of the biggest, well, not the biggest, one of the most, um, uh, 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 one of the the most powerful uh, militaries in the world. The Israeli military is absolutely stacked. Palestinians are not. They can't, I was was watching a, um, I was watching a, uh, a a video of, um, of a Benjamin Netanyahu uh, on American TV uh, American news. I forget the particular channel or show, or whatever. But um, basically, he was just allowed to just drop like 
10 minutes of Israeli propaganda on US uh, on US uh, airwaves um he never well not never he barely barely if you counted if, if you counted the times he said Palestine or Palestinians you would have it on one hand like it was so little but the uh, but then you contrast that with the amount of times he said Hamas you can count those more than on one on two hands he's said Hamas so many times and that's the point okay Hamas exists Hamas is bad right that is agreeable on every single layer of this conversation right but you're telling me that Israel is defending itself you are fucking lying you are lying this is ethnic cleansing point blank okay that's what it is this is ethnic cleansing okay point blank you've I, i'm sure you guys have seen the maps right you've seen the you've seen the time time uh, uh the, what's the word um the time lapses of the map of israel palestine right it was it was half and half uh and then it wasn't and now it's barely palestine they have nearly been wiped out uh on the map off the map literally off the map there is there are, there are so many Palestines across Europe and the rest of the Middle East um, is depressing and literally that holding keys thing is a legit story um, uh, 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 laid out in the article there that's literally how it is uh, for Palestinians and they always for some re- uh, for some reason uh, and I admire it but they hold out hope that they can go back and I, I I'm I'm not sure again I don't know the uh, even the best case scenario on uh, for this for this to end because like I said, Israel has is a super. This is this is the most lopsided uh, quote unquote conflict of, of all time. I swear, like <laughs> please try and think of another one for me. Um, and even on that front, they're backed up by the UK, the US, weapons sent. Like this is absolutely so lopsided it makes me sick and if this doesn't make you sick then you have no right to be talking about blm you have no right to be talking about any sort of oppression because this is oppression this is the most textbook definition of oppression gaza is literally an open air prison right now and it has been for decades okay if you don't understand that this is oppression and you are either fence-sitting or you uh, try to lean it towards, oh, Israel's defending itself. If you lean on any of that any of, any of of that bullshit, do not talk to me about anything, any other type of oppression anywhere around the world, wherever you live. Do not talk to me. You do not get to talk about any sort of oppression because this is literally textbook oppression. This is textbook ethnic cleansing. This is the most slam dunk anything. And people really want to side with a state where their higher ups have literally been quoted as dehumanizing Palestinians. Please miss me with your fuckery. So move on to our second life topic and uh, this is something I found um, that was incredibly fascinating to me is a story that I've never heard of and uh, yeah just um, I don't know it's just an interesting 
story that I felt like uh, telling uh, via this article. So this is uh, by uh, Neil uh, Vigda. Uh, this is via the New York Times. It's called "Officials Apologize for Deadly Black sh- uh, for te- for Deadly Police Shooting at a Black College in 1970." So uh, let's just jump right in because this is amazing. Uh, they waited more than 50 years to put on their caps and gowns. Their rite of passage had been denied to the members of to the members of the class of 1970 at what is now Jackson State University in Mississippi after a deadly police shooting at the historically black college. A spring uh, brought to their a spring brought their college uh, years to an abrupt end. Their graduation was cancelled. But on Saturday, the group of more than 400 former students had the chance to hear their names called and to walk across the stage. They received more than their diplomas. Uh, city and state officials apologised for the violence that had claimed the lives of two people and wounded a dozen others after a local police and state highway patrol officers opened fire while responding to campus protests over racial injustice on the night of May 14, 1970. Mayor Chokwe Antar Lumumba of Jackson said uh, during the ceremony that it was long overdue for the city to accept responsibility for the bloodshed. Quote, as James Baldwin once wrote, when we cannot tell the truth about our past, we become trapped in it, unquote. Mr. Lumumba said, referring to the Harlem-raised author, quote, I believe as a city we must publicly atone for the sins of our past and proclaim a new identity of dignity, equity and justice, unquote. Tensions over the racial discrimination had been escalating at the university, which was called Jackson State College at the time, when officers descended on the campus on that night. A dump truck had been set ablaze on a nearby street, drawing a phalanx of heavily armed officers to the campus and an armoured police vehicle. The situation grew worse as it got closer to midnight. In the early hours of May 15th, protesters threw rocks and pieces of bricks, though Though no serious injuries to the police were reported, according to a report by the President's Commission on Campus Unrest issued later that year. Excuse me. Claiming that a sniper had fired at them from a woman's dormitory, brackets, a claim that was never substantiated, unquote, uh, on brackets, uh, the officers sprayed the area of nearly 400 rounds, the report said. Uh, Philip Lafayette Gibbs, a 21-year-old student at the college, and James Earl Green, a 17-year-old high school student who had been walking home from his job, were killed in the barrage of gunfire, uh, and 12 people were wounded. Quote, On May 14, 1970, members of the Jackson State Police, Jackson Police Department uh, unjustly gunned down two innocent young black men, terrorised and traumatised a community of black students, and committed one of the gravest sins in our city's history, uh, said Mr. Lumumba, who is black. Jackson State, which is a public university, awarded doctorate degrees posthumously to Mr. Gibbs and Mr. Green during the graduation ceremony, which was postponed last spring because of the coronavirus pandemic. The Memorial Plaza, where the commencement took place, is named after them. No officers were charged in their deaths, with a Hines County Grand Jury calling the shootings justified. The violence at Jackson State was overshadowed by a massacre at Kent State University in Ohio less than two weeks earlier. Four unarmed students were uh, there were killed and nine others were injured uh, after Ohio National Guard troops opened fire on a group of people protesting war in Vietnam. State Senator Hillman T. Fraser 
uh, Frazier, who was a student at Jackson State at the time of the shooting there, uh, and whose district includes part of Jackson, said he had left the campus to get food on the night of May 14th, 1970, and others uh, otherwise might have been shot. Quote, if you think, if you think back, the state of Mississippi never apologised for the tragedy that occurred on this campus on that night. Never apologised, said Mr. Fraser, who is black. So, since I am here representing the state of Mississippi, in my role as state senator, I'd like to issue an apology to the Jackson State family for the tragedy that occurred that night, unquote. Nareen Gibbs-Ray, a sister of Mr. Gibbs, accepted his doctorate of ceremony. Uh, over the years, uh, quote from her, uh, over the years, many people have forgotten, but Jackson State never forgot, she said. And uh, I just like I just wanted to, you know, bring this uh, particular story up, just because, like... Uh, I just find it interesting uh, seeing stories such as this and uh, just thinking about, like, how many others, you know what I mean, are, are out there. Because um, I, I think I've heard of the, uh, oh, I think I've heard of Kent State, that particular uh, uh, shooting. Um, but obviously there was this one as well. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things uh, that's probably hard to account for in America, you know, um, in, in some ways for certain things, like, uh, obviously, uh, you know, they have regular mass shootings, right, um, literally on a daily basis, practically, um, so, you know, that, that can't be, they, they can't, they can't all be national news, right, and, um, I guess the Kent State one on this front was, I guess, national news, maybe, I'm not sure, um, and the Jackson State one clearly wasn't, uh, but, um, it, it always makes me think, um, about just stories that have uh, either been, you know, told locally, um, however small that may be, however large that may be, um, but never nationally, and, uh, you know, it's never brought to the public consciousness until, um, you know, decades later. And I find that, you know, the the, the obviously the 400 students that um, finally got to have their graduation is um, a really... Um, is a really symbolic gesture um, uh, that, you know, sometimes never happens for a lot of things um, of this nature where, like, uh, something really bad happens and uh, uh, it, it literally... Just just think about that, actually. Like, just, just think about that, right? For, the, for those that have been to university and have graduated, right? Um, or, or just think about if it was your last day of school, right? It doesn't have to be university, right? I'm not trying to discriminate here for people that haven't been to university um you know it's, it's your last day of anything and you know that's means for celebration in a lot of ways like um i mean i felt fucking sick um <laughs> for, for my graduation so i wasn't really uh too hype uh, over the day but um you know you 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 you're supposed to you know be happy about it, right, and, uh, you know, look forward, and look forward to the future ahead of you, you know, I mean, everything's in front of you, uh, whether it's your last day of school, you know, primary school, high school, whatever, right, sixth form even, um, you know, it feels good, like, I remember, I remember leaving, um, I remember leaving sixth form, uh, I was on my own, uh, everyone else finished, um, I was I was just on my own. I needed to finish like one course. Um, I was really behind on it, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember I left at like uh, like two ish p.m. like uh, just in in like you know mid afternoon uh, early afternoon, and I took my uh, what was it uh, was it ID 
I put something in the bin. Um, so I think it was like a form of ID or something like that. But yeah, I I rich I ritualistically threw it in the bin. Like uh, the first bin I saw, I, re- I think I recorded it. It might be on my IG actually. <laughs> well, I've been back to what I was talking about at the, first, at the start of the show. But um, yeah, I symbolically did that. Now imagine if like you know uh, uh, I did that and then just like got I don't know run over or whatever. Like that's just. You know, obviously that's not comparable, but like you know, that's just whack. Um, and you know, escalating it to something like a a, a police sanctioned uh, shooting uh, or a state sh- state sanctioned uh, shooting in some ways um, to a bunch of pro- uh, people protesting is just absolutely crazy to think about, and it's uh, unimaginable. Like of 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 me at the Guildhall for all my people, and then just like you know bullets flying like that's just inconceivable um so uh shout to the now graduates officially of um uh, jackson state university um hopefully that's some sort of um uh some form of closure um but yeah man this is one of those fascinating stories i just felt like bringing up and i saw uh, in passing So we finish up with music, and uh, this is something just bright. This is something I just wanted to, you know, just, just, just you know, lighten the mood for the end of the show. Um, I, I made, uh, I wanted to make sure of it because I knew I was going to go off for the Israel Palestine one. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to say, you know, just a bit, a little bit light. Um, so this is about uh, the album Miss E, so addictive uh, by Missy Elliott. Is um, now 20 years old, and uh, an ama- I just saw an amazing article on it. It's by Justin Charity via The Ringer. Um, it's called uh, Mi- uh, Miss Yellitz, Miss E, So Addictive. was a genreless masterpiece. Um, and yeah, let's just jump right in because it's an amazing, uh, amazing piece. 20 years ago tomorrow, uh, Miss Yellitz, and this is uh, done on May 14th, so it's already been 20 years. Uh, Miss Yellitz released her third album, Miss E, So Addictive. A curious milestone in the integration of hip-hop and pop music. Quote, I know some of your sicker songs... Uh, I know some of you all sick of songs you'll be hearing on the radio, Missy sings on the intro. So me and Timberland gonna give you give that shit you never heard before, unquote. Mind you, Timberland was responsible for half the songs we were hearing on the radio around the turn of the century. Are you that somebody? Pony, big pimpin', we need a resolution. But the point stands, Missy led a peculiar upheaval. Her first couple of albums, Super Duper Fly and The Real World, hosted her formative hits The Rain, Socket to Me, She's a Bitch and Hot Boys. From Portsmouth, Virginia, Missy was childhood friends with Timberland. She came up working with R&B artists including Devante Swing, Mary J. Blige and Aaliyah. But Missy's own breakout songs blended hip-hop and R&B in a revolutionary way. Just a few years earlier, Puffy had split the difference between these genres by putting the rappers and the singers uh, on the songs together. Missy split the difference by incorporating the two genres into herself. Miss E so addictive marked the commercial peak for Missy, but more importantly, she seemed to have perfected a whole new manner of hit making. It's easy to recall the long gone months when its lead single "Get Your Freak On" was the biggest song in the world. In the mo- in the moment, it was much harder to summarize the profound newness in every bit of her sound and persona. It wasn't just the music videos with the glossy costumes and fisheye lenses. There was a certain boundlessness in her music, unmistakable in its hip hop signatures. 
uh, but otherwise unrelated to any contemporary agonizing about regions, genres, and technique. Get Your Free Con wasn't just big, uh, it wasn't just big, and it wasn't just mind-blowing. It was exactly the sort of ridiculous song that was never going to get made by the so-called best rapper alive at the time. Hip-hop had otherwise gotten so competitive and self-conscious in several corners. By the early 2000s, Jay-Z, Nas, 50 Cent, Eminem, Outkast, and Kanye West each had something to prove. They lived or died by diss tracks, sales comparisons, and regional distinctions. The genre exempted Missy from this competition for the obvious reasons. She's a woman, she's a southerner, her flows were too far too, uh, far too loose, and her songwriting was far too frivolous to score well on such uptight assessments. But she was a star, she was avant-garde, and it would have been pointless to judge her against anyone else. It's even hard to position Missy among her fellow southerners. Cash Money, 3-6 Mafia, Dungeon Family, Slip and Slide, The East Side Boys, and The Neptunes were making music you'd never heard before too. New York gets an origin story that's easy to pack into a single sentence. Cool Herc hosts a party in the Bronx, but where do you even begin with the Southerners? It's such a geographically scattered narrative, and the mainstream account began to take shape only once Missy, uh, Outkast, Ludacris, and Manny Fresh conquered the hip-hop radio uh, in the late 1990s. The South didn't, ju- didn't just have something to say. The South had launched a raucous symposium, and everyone rapped in a wild variety of accents and sem- sensibilities. Missy raps and sings with a tidewater twang, and she collaborated with uh, like-vowed Virginians in Timberland and Pharrell. But in many ways, her music uh, worked against the contemporary regionalism. Uh, She assembled Timberland, uh, Ludacris, Tweet, Genuine, Buster Rhymes, and Method Man into a hypermodern eclecticism. Unburdened by comparisons and indifferent to the larger stakes, bold for uh, for its own sake. It was easier to attribute the big trends and shift in pop music to her collaborators. Uh, Timberland and the Neptunes, once they started producing Justin Timberlake on Justin Fired. Uh, I don't mean to discount uh, Timberland's own dis- uh, distinct influence in the pop landscape, nor his indispensable role in developing Missy's sound, but Missy carried the day with her voice. It would have been easy enough to compare Missy Elliott to Dust FX, given the squirrely flows and silly wordplay they held in common, but Dust FX was the butt of the but of jokes for most of my childhood, while Missy Elliott's, uh, Missy's voice had magical properties and inexhaustible charm. The thing is, Virginians, I'm one too, really do talk like that. Lick shots is just how we sound. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to bother just trying to even attempt a Virginia sound for that lyric. Uh, by so addictive, uh, Missy turned her modest twang into a new musical language. Better yet, she made the most of rap stardom without doing the most. As others, other, as others did, to turn rap stardom into the central obsession of her music, she was overflowing with personality, but lacking the narrative overdetermination evident in the songwriting of Jay and Kanye. She was a clever musician, and that was enough to justify her stature and, exe- and success. So addictive was her peak, and though her next few albums expanded her stardom with shocking persistence, her musical ubiquity ended too soon. Missy sought treatment for Gra- uh, Graves' disease in the late aughts, and the diagnosis more or less ended her radio run. She took a victory lapse in 2010s on Nobody's Perfect with J. Cole and WTF with Pharrell, and in recent years she settled into Emeritus, is that you say, Emeritus? Uh, sta- uh, stature, just releasing one EP uh, in 2019, her first body of work since two- tw- 2005's The Cookbook. 
The new pop landscape seems wildly, uh, weirdly resistant to her comeback, despite having internalised every last bit of her exuberance and eclecticism, uh, and especially her synthesis of singing and rapping, but there's no recreating her voice. So, um, the only problem I have with this article is the, the way that, like, uh, the, the, the past tense there, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, she was a clever musician. Bro, she still is, bruv. <laughs> she still is a clever fucking musician. Like, like she's still, she, she ain't lost it. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the, the wording there is obviously, uh, is a bit, is a bit too, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, past tense for, for my taste. I still feel, you know, she is, you know, just as good, um, as she was, um, you know, in terms of just, uh, I, I, I see, I see Missy Elliott as one of those people that, um, you know, that has that, that flavour that you just can't, that you can't lose that flavour, right? You, you can't lose it, you know what I mean? Like, you're telling me that, you know, it, with all the things that Andre 3000 has talked about as it pertains to him not uh, being able to create a solo album for himself, right? You're telling me that he hasn't, that he's, uh, that he, you know, hasn't, he still isn't OP. <laughs> like, you, you, you've heard the features, you've heard, you know, you've heard the uh, the one on Pax album, you've heard the one on... Uh, uh, what was it, um, uh, Pink Matter, right, you know, you've heard those, you've heard those, you've heard those, right, Th- those, uh, those features, right, I, I still hear Missy, and, you know, I've heard her a few times, I heard that EP, you know what I mean, and, you know, it's not, it's not Miss E, it's not, uh, under construction, but, you know, still Missy, it's still uniquely her, and the best thing about, uh, Missy, um, is that she has such, like, I, I love the, I love it when you can clearly gauge um, an artist who's on the come up, right? And you can uh, you can gauge their influences just by looking at them and just by listening to their work. Um, you know, people like Brie uh, Runway, um, TK Meidza, right? Um, for exa- just for just a out there example, right? Uh, th- those are probably the most obvious examples, right? You can't tell me those th- those two specifically. Um, don't just give off like big Missy vibes, you know what I mean? Like she, Missy has a lot of children, uh, creative children. Uh, that you know, uh, that those two are probably the obvious ones. But like, even when it comes to you know the rapping and singing elements, or the um, or maybe the production element, if you want, I feel like you can get a lot of people um, that fit under that fit under that umbrella. And um, you know, obviously. I th- I f- there was a there was a th- there was a weird phenomenon in the past few years where like people were just suddenly giving Missy flowers and just like giving and giving her respect she deserves because um, like, in, like the late 2010s it was just like weird because I just never I never heard from Missy um, and obviously like uh, after after like oh five and that for just a solid ten years I just never heard from Missy and heard nobody talking about Missy and then after like 2015 16 17 ish. Um, everyone was just like, bruh, Missy was lit, you know, like, Missy had the formula, like, she had the formula, and I think that the best point that Charity made on that article is the difference between her and, like, the, 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 the best rapper alive, uh, uh, people, uh, you know, the Jays, the Nas, the 50s, and the M&Ms, um, of that era, because there was a, you know, just a really determined way about those guys, and I think that's why we like them. Uh, uh, you know, we in the hip hop sense, um, but Missy was just so effortless with it. 
And it's the same for, you know, people like outcasts. It just comes off as so, like, it's that their work is so dense, but it just comes off so slick, so effortless. It's like, how the fuck do they make it sound just so simple? Um, not not simple in a negative way, but, you know, I mean, just, just it just comes, it just comes, it feels like it comes so naturally to them. It's like they, it's like they just, poof, like, it's just, it's just here, here it is. Like, like they're making... They're making like a, a great British menu dish, uh, with the same with the same flair and the same ease as I do, uh, making cheese on toast. Yeah, you know I mean, just, you know, I mean, it's just so it just comes off as so effortless, and I just love it. And it's the same with Missy, like just the way that you listen to those albums, and um, especially those first three for me. Uh, and, and under construction, I'll throw that in there as well because lose uh, but you lose control. Uh, that shit bangs. Um, I, I just can't I just can't give Missy I, I just can't guess her up enough like her 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 creativity is just unmatched and uh, you know just just looking back at those uh, I'm not really one for like you know uh, saying like what's the best music video and stuff like that but gee some of her videos were just I remember I literally remember uh, seeing those videos as a youth I can literally remember like just being in my my dad's uh, health club uh and just watching those music videos and just hit, and seeing her neck just like wind out and just go quiet shh, hush your mouth like <laughs> i literally remember it i remember it so vividly so um you know big up to miss Elliot and uh, i just wanted to leave uh you know give me some flowers why not and with that said ladies and gentlemen from the fifth film podcast network i be Ty taylor and it's been what's good uh, intro music has been too much by Vanilla. You can uh, thanks to Chill Records for the ability to use the song. You can find both of their links in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy Hire for use of charismatic for the interlude. You can also find his site uh, link in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.